This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. We reached out to Scott Nover, um, who's at Adweek, and he's a platforms reporter, and he's been covering social media companies and their influence, and he's written a number of stories about the Trump business and their social media stuff. So we figured maybe he could give us some perspective on this issue from a marketing perspective, because after all, this is marketing matters, but also just from a general platform perspective. So with that introduction, Scott, welcome to the show. And uh, why don't you tell us why we chose you? What do you do? <laughs> uh, thank you, Barbara and Marcus. Uh, great, great to be here uh, with you today on this uh, on this auspicious day, as you said. One of the things that I've been wondering about is when he's banned on all of, and since you've been following platforms, maybe you know this, he's banned now on all the mainstream ones. And there's some question about when some people will let him back on and when not. But I was also wondering how quickly do some of these other ones get up to speed? How fast is their growth in a platform? A new platform can emerge and become a new sound piece. Have you watched any of that and seen mm. how that's happened? Yeah, what, what is he doing these days? Is he in some you know, other dark, uh, dark web, uh, platform or what? Um, I think so just for your, for your listeners sake, I think we, we are still, so he's Donald Trump is not coming back to Twitter or Snapchat unless something drastic changes. Uh, he, they've said that he's been permanently banned. Um, a number of other companies, most notably Facebook, the biggest social media company, um, and in by proxy Instagram, which they own. And then there's some others like um, Twitch, which is a gaming streaming platform, mm-hmm. um, have kind of suspended him until the inauguration, which is today. So it's still to be seen whether and how he will come back to those platforms. Um, no, he has not gone to the latest and greatest platform, you know, new up and coming platform. He's not, he's never been on TikTok. He's never, I'm oh, sorry, YouTube is the other big company that has, uh, has suspended him until the oh, inauguration. Okay. Um, and they have, they've said that he's going to come back, but, um, you know, they have, he's on like a strike system now or something. Um, so he's, he's not, you know, uh-huh. in the most liberal use of the word, he is not censored by any means. Mm. Um, and, but he's also not crawling to, you know, 4chan or 8chan or discord or, you know, parlor, mm. you know, wh- whatever. Parlor has been basically shut down because they are on AWS. So you yeah. didn't talk about that, but AWS has another, um, another hammer in some sense because they're the cloud and they host a lot of these. Right, right. Yeah, so then you're getting more into, and that's a more interesting kind of, I think there's more legitimate questions about Mm. speech online um, when you get further into the the infrastructure of the internet, which is um, something like AWS, a cloud, uh, a cloud or web host. Um, than an individual social platform. Um, but again, I think that there are there are plenty of web hosts. I think Parler just you know found something. It might be a, a Russian web host or something. But it, you know, um, oh, wow. you know, I think that whether or not companies like Amazon Web Service want to affiliate with certain other you know platforms is is their business as well. And um, and if there is a kind of competition question about how much of the market that AWS controls and that affects speech, um, I think that the remedies should probably be 
in the vein of competition as opposed to um, speech. But it is a really interesting question about mm-hmm. who controls, you know, the Internet and free and open Internet. I got a question, Scott. And this re- I want to get your reaction to this, too, Barbara. So the Washington Post is reporting that this is a shocking statistic, that disinformation is down 73 percent post this banning of Trump on Twitter, which is just amazing. Uh, Let me ask this question, though, because in some senses, the algorithms that are created that allow you to get information are based on what you click on. So the more you click on stuff, the more likely you should get stuff that's related to that. And under a normal world, that should be a good thing, right? Because you should only be being shown things like from a marketing perspective, things you care about, products you may want to buy, needs that actually could be serviced. But here, there's a kind of insidious kind of component to the algorithmic analysis that feeds you the information because, and I want to get your perspective on this, Scott, is there is there an analysis that says this echo chamber becomes much more dangerous when this disinformation is dropped as like almost a drop of poison that gets part of the algorithm that now uh, becomes shown to you more frequently. And if so, what is the responsibility of Facebook and Twitter and these other platforms to adjust their algorithms so that this type of information doesn't get snowballed or amplified within your particular echo chamber? Do you have any thoughts on that issue? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's an issue that's been kind of plaguing the social media companies for years and years and years. It's what has allowed them to make great products, but it's also kind of been um, something that they've had to reckon with during this 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 stage of their life, this kind of moment where they're maturing as companies. And, you know, it's not so novel that Facebook and Twitter are around and connecting people anymore. Um, there's a lot of bad stuff there. And so, you know, even, you know, when the, the best dog video goes viral on Facebook, we're happy about it. But when, you know, um, QAnon conspiracy theories do, it's a different story. And, and that's something that Facebook and the other social media companies have had to kind of reckon with. Um, and I think the, the study that you uh, that you cited, I think that's the Zignal Lab study yes. from a mm-hmm. couple of days ago. It's super interesting. And there there's research that shows, I think from Yohai Benkler at Harvard that shows mm-hmm. um, that shows that a lot of misinformation, political misinformation is driven by elites. And oh. um, and excuse while, me, did you say elites? Elites. So that's sorry, that's a very political science kind of term, but um, what does yeah. that mean? Leaders or? Yeah. Yeah. Politicians, CEOs. That's, act- that's actually you, Barbara. You, you're, a, <laughs> you're an academic elite. You didn't know that? Come on. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, no, no, the upper echelon, to your point, Scott, the upper echelon. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Donald Trump, you know, however you want to describe that, but influential, mm-hmm. you know, politicians. Um, and so when that drop of poison comes from someone at the top, there is actually, um, a great deal of, of, of an effect, um, though obviously there's lots of ways disinformation flows from foreign influence operations, from people trying to make money, from, like those Russian troll farms, um, you know, some ground up things like people just babbling, you know, <laughs> incoherently <laughs> online. But um, but yeah, I think that that whole deplatforming debate really comes to life when you remove one of these giant nodes in the system, which mm. is Donald Trump. Um, and it's no secret that he is prone to misinformation. And that's a very generous way of of me saying that. So, um, you know, when somebody steps down, it seems like there could be 
a vacuum there, a white space for someone else to step up. Yeah. Do you see any other um, emerging leaders or something that's kind of taking the place? Have you? I don't know if you followed it on that dimension. Of people taking Donald Trump's place? Yeah, that could. I think that there's no. Kind of power. I think there's no shortage of people spewing misinformation on online and, and certainly no shortage of politicians doing that. And so I think what will be interesting for us all to watch is how Twitter and the other social media companies deal with those people who may not have the name recognition or prominence of Donald Trump, but are um, contributing to uh, to this poisonous ecosystem. I mean, you have Member, you have a member of Congress or multiple members of Congress that outwardly subscribe to QAnon conspiracy theories. Um, I mean, there's nothing more dangerous or, or you know, uh, far-fetched than that. Mm-hmm. So I think what something for us all to look out for is whether Donald, when Donald Trump is out of office today, um, he is whether the social media companies continue in the same, you know in the same vein of, of accelerating their commitment to cleaning up their platforms, or if now that the, that the big, you know, bad wolf is out of the, the, the story, whether they kind of take their foot off the brake. You know, I mean, that's actually the question I asked before, which we, we didn't quite get to, but it, the, I mean, in some sense, Donald Trump, whether he should have been out before or, or, whatever, it's a different issue, but he's pretty easily identified. But like I've noticed when looking at, you know, in social media, say in China, some of these regular citizens, you know, a high school student can get hundreds of thousands and millions of followers shockingly quickly. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that it's somebody, you know, that in some sense it's harder to control um, somebody else stepping up with fiery rhetoric because mm-hmm. of the way these platforms develop and the exponential growth that's mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was wondering, if you have any sense on like, can a new platform emerge and grow that quickly? Yeah. Is Twitter, Twitter and Facebook, Facebook, and they are you know, really big and nobody else will get that big. And Trump has that influence because he was the president of the United States, Mm -hmm. in addition to having a big follower. Or is there some kind of thought that a lot of this stuff could happen overnight organically? Whether a new platform could kind of challenge. A new platform or a new leader. Right. Like a marketing competition angle. I mean, it's quite interesting what Barbara's asking because, I mean, Joe Biden has, I think, as of right now, 24 million Twitter followers. Donald Trump had 86 million. So to Barbara's point, that's a lot of people that suddenly don't have, I guess, you know, what they feel is their voice. Uh, So what are your thoughts on what Barbara's saying there, Scott? Yeah, I think there's a number of different facets to that. I mean, I think there is definitely, with the rise of TikTok, we've definitely seen a enormous kind of challenger to the Facebook, you know, supremacy of that market. Right, and that happened Uh, fast. And that happened really fast. So like, you know, does a TikTok or, you know, five years ago, a Snapchat kind of pop up every day? No, but it is, you know, possible. And Mm -hmm. there are, there's no shortage of companies trying to innovate and push that market. Um, And then, yeah, I think that um, it once you do to address the other part of your question, once you do get rid of a you know a Donald Trump, it is harder to find those people who are um, who are spreading misinformation. But mm-hmm. if they can't, I think the other you know side of that coin is if they can't handle Donald Trump, mm-hmm. you know you know how are they going to handle some anonymous user you know somewhere else? And then right. I think the other angle to that question is whether there is 
going to be some sort of maybe, you know, conservative or quote unquote free speech alternative to these platforms. And that's something that Parlo is trying to do Mm -hmm. um, and Gab and some of these other ones. Um, But we haven't really seen that. And it's not it's not really the it's not really conservatives that are being that are being kicked off the platforms. It's really people that want to um, spread hate online. And it's um, and you can see why Parler and Gab, um, which was kind of its predecessor, it's still around, um, couldn't couldn't fit into the mold of, you know, even Amazon Web Services, platform, you know, platform right. policies, which are not stringent. Um, right. They were just allowing, you know, uh, violent things on their platform and hateful things on their platform. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. And I think you've inspired a lot of our listeners to read your articles. Where can they find you online? Sure. Um, They can find me at Scott Nover on Twitter and um, find my articles on adweek.com. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.